Welcome to the Once Upon a Niger podcast. I'm Evelyn. And I am Laura. So, we're going to pick it up where we left off in the last episode. We've been speaking about Nigerian independence. Yeah. And what it, what it means to us personally. And we, it was quite a reflective... Mm-hmm. episodes you know getting into our feelings a bit about hope resilience optimism rugged yeah. optimism um yeah so i think we're continuing in that vein but we're, we're going to be talking about what what is nigeria very simple fundamental question but the answer is extremely complex as our as our nation is as a but before we dive into the topic, right, as you're talking about reflection, I was reflecting this weekend on the chaos that is going on in this country, United Kingdom right now, mm. with the fuel scarcity. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard about mm. it, but it just reminds me of Nigeria. Mm. But I, I was saying to... I was discussing with my friend and I was talking about... Um, it's crazy how... People are panic buying mm. and we're buying petrol and we were we were um we went shopping on Friday evening and the queue I hadn't even realised there was anything happening. We just came out of the shop and the, this was at eight PM at night. The queue to the to the petrol station. I was like, What's going on here? Because we live near a Costco, you know, you get like cheaper petrol there. So we're thinking this is more demand than the usual. So then we decided to then drive to another petrol station. And yeah, then we kind of like put on the news and it's like, oh, there's fuel scarcity mm-hmm. and people are literally queuing up to fill up the tank. And so we got to like a petrol station, we filled up that tank. And then there's this whole conversation about the ethics or the morality of like panic buying. Mm. And I was like, it's interesting. It got me thinking about, you know, when people are fleeing war zones and things like that, you, you sometimes you're thinking, oh, the decisions they're making is not rational. Like, oh, mm. why would you get yourself on a boat in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea to mm. to flee this and that? But it's like, you live in a country where there's so much surplus. It's like, we, we don't really, well, I say we, but British people, post-World War Two, mm-hmm. many of us don't really know what it's like to live in a state of, with lack of surplus so like Mm. there's so much surplus around us that the moment you kind of get a a feeling for oh there isn't going to be enough like i remember like during the lockdown people the people were running out of tissue the shops were running out of tissue paper Mm. and so i just kind of like reflected on that this weekend and i was like it doesn't make any sense like we need to think maybe a bit more about the irony of how we evaluate the conditions of other people when mm. they're like reacting to a certain mm. situation in a certain way because it's easier for you to kind of sit mm. down here and be like oh i wonder why they decide to do that it's like mm. listen the country has enough petrol they just don't have enough drivers to 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 deliver to it. deliver them so if you're not trying to fill up your 100 litre tank, <laughs> you know, there will be enough until yeah. such a time when the drivers are able to deliver this, you know, this mm. this goods. But now that everybody's like filling up their tanks and some people are even taking kegs and like gallons and stuff like that. And that's really a reflection of um, the facts. Because as you said, there isn't, there isn't actually a, a, a shortage of fuel, but just the removal of um, the ability to have what you want when you want it. And I would say even, you know, the... Uh, it's, it's, it's like almost for some people, it's an attack on their greed because it's like, we're, we're actually still, you know, in a pandemic. People aren't traveling to the extent that they were before. Where exactly are you going that you need all this petrol? This country is not even a big one. Mm. In Nigeria, where there's actual... <laughs> when, you're, when you're traveling and you're journeying... And you're stuck in traffic. <laughs> and you're, you're expending your petrol in traffic. Exactly. Yeah. It's, there's there's a, um, a lack of uh, self-awareness, I think, in, yeah. in, in this country. And I think given that the British people pride themselves on, like... 
control and mm, being a sensible being people. sensible and when you talk about national identity maybe just even being considerate you think hmm you just haven't been put in that position mm. where because i was even saying over the weekend like you when people are living when people are find themselves in situations where maybe there's no food or you're on a remote island and and you hear of like cannibalism and people started there was one film i watched one time and um it was about the expedition of this group to like some really remote antarctical part antarctica and all that stuff and so they got stuck and they started eating each other Hmm. and you're thinking how but now you see how people get really desperate when mm-hmm. they feel like, like you said, some sort of comfort, something that is a necessity mm-hmm. is removed from them, the extent that people will go to. But yeah, just kind of, I thought about it and I was like, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. I mean, we, we filled up our tank as well. I filled up my tank because I was like, do you know, people were queuing up, right? I was like, I need to get to church. I need, to, even oh. though I'm not going anywhere, you know, in particular, I need to, I don't know when next, that yeah. That is so funny. So I was all that talking as I, but me too, I filled my tank. Listen, we all have to <laughs> fill our tank, so. But go, yeah, going, um, continuing the conversation around Nigeria's independence and what um, does it mean for a nation to be born and, its identity and the people's commitment to an idea of a country mm-hmm. um, those are really fundamental and important questions mm-hmm. that have to be asked especially in a 60 year or so um, history and in the last episode um, I, I ended um, with a definition around like statehood and what um, what a country means and part of that definition is um, that certain criteria have to be met. Then you, you need to have a people, a territory, a government, and the ability to conduct uh, relations with other states. Um, but the definition of a people and is is a it's very difficult and it's it's a murky water. Yeah. Because you know who 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 makes up Nigeria? Who who is a Nigerian? Yeah. Right? Um, is that even something that we wanted for ourselves? Um, you know, the very concept of Nigeria, is it of the people who inhabit that area? Or is it... It's actually... Some would say it's a very British idea, actually. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's why... Remember in, the, in that episode you are talking about, I gave this um, quote by... Chief Obafemi Awolowo, where he talked about Nigeria being a mere geographical expression, mm. and he said how paraphrasing now talking about how Nigerians you don't have Nigerians in the same way that you have British or Welsh or French people, mm-hmm. and I guess he was sort of making reference to a kind of national identity mm-hmm. in that sense, especially in the aftermath of independence and mm. when they're just trying to build the nation again um i mean i don't know exactly what his you know what his thought frame was what his frame of thought was but yeah i think that's quite an interesting because mm. when you look when you look at um the development of those european nations mm-hmm. i suppose because it happened over a longer period of time it wasn't as sudden so it, here in Britain, you think that the English have they've gone to Scotland, they've gone to Wales, they've gone to Ireland, mm. and that they've had a more protract. It's, it's happened over a far more protracted period of time. Period of time, um, whereas like in Nigeria, you know, compared to Britain, it is like, you know, click of a finger in terms of the grand, in terms of like if you're looking at composition of. Yeah, and the time period mm-hmm. in which that happened, and Britain doesn't have the ethnic diversity yeah. within itself. You know, like white British yeah. doesn't have as much of um, doesn't have near 
anything the ethnic yeah. diversity that and I guess what has. you're saying does is is an explanation for what Chief Abafemi Awolowo was saying really in mm. the or it's sort of aligning with what you're saying in the sense that yeah I think it's an acknowledgement what he was saying at the time is acknowledging what the position was there and there mm. I guess it's now uh, an ambition that we have in this nation building of trying to develop an identity you know they're one of the aims or one of the goals they were probably trying to achieve after that after independence was building a one nigeria Mm -hmm. and building a a nation with an identity and you know with with a roadmap with a work with a plan um but without without sort of ignoring the the composition and the genesis of you know the the amalgamation of what we now know as Nigeria, yeah. the the however many hundred ethnic groups. Mm. It's just like, how do you define Nigeria? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess that was going to be my my question to you. If I ask you, so what is Nigeria? Like, how would you? How would you define? How would you answer that question? That is a jam question. Um. I don't, how would I define Nigeria? I guess it would be a very kind of artificial definition, to be honest, because it would just sort of be me trying to pick points, different traits and characteristics from different people group and trying to form this, you know, convoluted, distorted idea of what I think a Nigerian is, Mm -hmm. you know? I can speak of, it's far easier for me to speak of what it means to be a Yoruba person mm-hmm. or what it means to be an Igbo person or a Hausa or Efik or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, Delta, whatever, whatever part of Nigeria you're from, as opposed to speaking of what it means to be Nigerian. Mm. And even asking me that question, I've thought of many times when people have, you know, when a foreigner has kind of thought, oh, I was Ghanaian, and then I would say, oh, no, I'm Nigerian, and they'd be like, oh, you're too quiet to be Nigerian. What kind and of... And then it's just like, <laughs> it's like, oh, you're too, not even quiet, you're too calm to be Nigerian. And there's always this kind of idea of like, oh, Nigerians are this... Gra-gra. Gra-gra. <laughs> <laughs> Nigerians are this gra-gra people, or, you know, so in that sense, I guess when foreigners look outside in they Mm -hmm. they think they have an idea of who a nigerian is or what characterizes a nigerian Mm, to a lot that's an interesting question the perspective but you can see yeah the perspective of foreigners what they what they believe you know what they think a nigerian who they think a nigerian is and Mm -hmm. what makes a person nigerian uh so therefore many times i've always had oh with i thought you were Ghanaian. Uh, because you're calmer and you know so whatever this idea of what Ghanaians are like mm. I don't know so <laughs> so um so yeah I don't the answer is I really don't I really don't know I think I, I have a easier time defining or talking about what it means to be an ethnic person as opposed to being Nigerian and I think that's part of our conversation really mm. because the other thing and oftentimes when you've heard of Nigerian, you also think of like the negative side. So for a very long time on the international stage, it's been about the corruption and the 419 and the mm-hmm. fraud, you know, the fraud, the frauds, fraudulent activities. Um, that's what defines the Nigeria for a very long time, you mm-hmm. know. And it's almost like we're now on this journey of trying to redefine ourselves. But we're only redefining ourselves against a very limited scope because we're saying, oh, you know, we're not all fraud stars. Mm -hmm. You know, some of us are doctors. It's like, how can a whole nation be fraud stars? Obviously, we're not all fraud stars. But it's like this... this Reductionism. Reductionism, exactly. This exerted, this um, concerted effort... For us to portray ourselves in a particular way to the exclusion of all the other possibilities of the things that we are and mm. we could be but it's almost like there's no room to even start that conversation yet because we're busy trying to debunk this mm. <laughs> this idea yeah you know that that reminds me of um a quote by tony morrison actually mm. when I, I'll, I'll be paraphrasing but she says that racism um is often like a distraction 
because you're spending most of your time trying to convince yourself and others that you are not the stereotype um, and you're, you're constantly trying to prove your humanity, you're constantly trying to prove your worthiness and it's distracting you from being... What you actually are. Yeah, what you actually are. And I think that's a very interesting angle to come at the conversation in that a lot of um, our self-narrative, I would say, um, is, is rooted in trying to explain away what we're not, especially yeah. the, the, the negative aspects, which is, um, yeah, it's actually that, yeah, that I didn't really, I like applied her quote to, um, yeah, the current, like, I self-identify as a Nigerian, but I think it's, yeah, you make a really good point in that. And I think we need to recognize that actually as mm-hmm. well, and that we shouldn't get distracted around around you know trying constantly to disprove those negative yeah um stereotypes yeah. like no nation has like a clean exactly history no nation and, and speaking as nigerians we know full well not only from our own people but from our former colonizer no nation has a clean history so um yeah that's actually a really good point yeah so then i suppose the question then would be what i think we've both established to some degree that it's really difficult to define what it means to be nigerian or even just to pinpoint what this identifier Mm. is for our nationality right so then if we were to go on a very uh, discovery journey or like we have the we have the creative license or the license to just address how to achieve this national identity what are some of the things that you think would be the building blocks for that and how to achieve a national identity well it's, i mentioned in the previous episode it's about getting the the local populace to adhere to what it's a, it's a bit of like chicken and egg, right? Mm. So you need you need the definition of Nigeria and its identity need to come from the people. Um, but I suppose at what point in that circle, in in the, that cyclical narrative of like the Ni- Nigerians define who we are, but we would Nigeria was defined by outsiders, but we must define who we are, but it mm-hmm. was defined by outsiders. So at what point in that um cycle does it break off when we say okay even though (laughs) the very name nigeria (laughs) came from um outside like this is what it's going to mean to us yeah today um you have to get that consensus among how many hundreds of billions of yeah and i suppose that would be quite a that would be quite a task because, I mean, I have no... I, I'm not even particular about the name Nigeria. I just feel like it's about what you make with the name. What mm. you, you know, what you, what the name becomes to you. Um, I couldn't... I don't want to say I couldn't care less what the country is called. It's really about the substance. But of, I, I, I wouldn't say that, though, because I feel as though Nigerians, even themselves, names are important. You know, mm. when, when you think about... How, the many names that Nigerians have. I don't know how long your name is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get into that. <laughs> exactly. But the point I'm making is that, you know, names are actually really... I, if there's one thing I can say, I feel as though names are very important. They're important to every person around the world. But when I think of the length of the names of some Nigerians, it's like, okay, you can really tell that people have thought about the kind of future that they want maybe for their child when their child is born, Right. And obviously, it's, it is one. It's one aspect. A name is only one aspect to a person. But I think it. It's Imagine the you name your child prosperity, right? Mm. But then you've created no environment for that child to prosper. Mm. It doesn't matter that you name the child prosperity. 
kind of like mixed Mm -hmm. um, and things, you know, from the south or the north have been adopted or um, will eat each other's food, you know, different tribes, you know, because so many people will migrate to the south um, from the north, you know, and then, Mm. you know, you'll, you'll, yeah, so I think that that could be a marker Mm -hmm. in that, you know, we are multifaceted and that. I don't know how you would you would phrase it, but to, to be a Nigerian isn't to be one thing. Hmm. You know, to to be Nigerian is to. Um, but then, if it if to be Nigerian is isn't to be one thing, I totally get that. Because, I guess no matter where in the world you're from as well, to be to be American isn't really to be one thing. It's to be mm. a lot of different things. But there is. But there is one thing that is almost like everybody can unite around. And that is? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I do know. And that is, sometimes it's this, so like I was listening to somebody um, speaking about this topic earlier on. And I can't remember exactly what it was they pointed at, but they were talking about the idea of like a national myth. Like, so you know, like many nations have built this myth around Mm -hmm. all what makes their country great and i think there's something about george washington and mm-hmm. something something that he did and all that stuff and yeah. that's like something that a lot of americans really yeah. sort of huddle around and it's part of their identity or even the french and this whole blood um river of blood and the fight against germany and just sort of like that moment in their history yeah. forms their identity and just who they mm-hmm. are as a nation and I'm thinking of like the British, I don't even know, what's a British identity, you know? There's, well, more recently it's, you know, the success of World War Two or the monarchy. Yeah. Um, you know, so they would always go on about that Churchill's, um, Winston Churchill's um, mm. speech. And, and so, so therefore, so I think perhaps one of the things, so the person was saying that Nigeria doesn't really have like a, a myth or something like an event or something that really brings us together well i see see this is the it's an interesting point and every every nation basically you need to have people who will build and create these myths mm-hmm. um but with in all of those examples um and for a lot of when you when you study how these countries came to be right um it was through that war and bloodshed yeah that people could unite around right and so you're uniting against you're uniting against a foreign enemy Mm -hmm. so britain has got its identity from the fact that it won the war against nazi germany right that's that's one of the identifiers of this country you know yeah keep keep, was it carry on keep Keep calm, carry on. <laughs> That's it, keep calm, like carry on. <laughs> you know, America is like the American Revolution and we're going to um, not be taxed by the British or whatever. In France, French Revolution, down with the monarchy, liberté, égalité, fraternité, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. So you, all those instances, there was war and bloodshed and there was a foreign, a common foreign enemy some now you know um political theorists and say like that's what's really necessary uh for a national identity to be um created nigeria needs a common foreign enemy mm. is 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 and, and i i'm not saying that we need it well, we but we have a common enemy corruption it doesn't have to be a person. It doesn't have to be a nation. Mm, it does. It, it I, could I, be a. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that we should go. <laughs> Let me clarify. I'm not saying that we should go to war, war, but I think in all the instances where you've seen countries, or many of the instances where you've seen a country kind of like come together and feel, and the people, the citizens, feel united as one, is when that you've got a a foreign enemy that can be identified even even in modern history 9-11 has just happened right Mm -hmm. the u.s when you look back on the the video footage and how americans all felt united against 
Al-Qaeda, Osama bin Laden, mm-hmm. even though that wasn't, a t- that wasn't your typical uh, state's uh, enemy, mm-hmm. but they were people. They were these there were these foreign people that had attacked the country and now it's like okay we need to unite so in the same way does that have to be the path for nigeria i'm I, what i'm doing is just recognizing the phenomena no i i hear you totally that. and i think you know you've you've mentioned having a you know that common enemy that we're sort of fighting against and i i don't really think that that enemy has to be so even thinking more recently with Brexit happening in... And again, actually, there was a lot of division around Brexit and whatnot, but you have all these like sub-political things, events mm-hmm. that are happening that many people have united, mm-hmm. that have brought unity in some ways and all that stuff. But I feel like every Nigerian will have some sort of unity around the discussion of corruption... Mm. It's always something we're we're fighting corruption, we're trying to get rid of corruption, we're trying to prevent corruption. It's like corruption is such a it's such a dominating invisible well not invisible, it's very visible in our nation, but it's such a dominating force, it's such a domin mm. it's just there and it's affecting a lot of Nigerians, it's affecting because um there was, there was a, sorry, there was a quote that I saw earlier and it was saying that we have become the most violent country on earth without war. Corruption has killed more people. Corruption has killed people more than war has. So we're speaking of an enemy. Within ourselves though. And I think that's the unique thing there because mm. corruption looks like you and I. Mm. It's not. It's not out there. It's, not out it's within there. ourselves, and that's that. And that's our that's struggle. That's the hardest battle to find. Yeah, and we and we don't. To be honest, if we're talking about common enemies. We don't even have to look go far in terms of our own history. Like sixty years ago, our common enemy was the British, mm. and that's how we all united. That's how different factors, people like people from the north and the south were coming together. People from all sorts of different tribes. Yoruba, Hausa, Ibo, Ijo, all sorts of mm-hmm. people. They came together and were like, we need to get the British out mm. and we will be one Nigeria. Mm. And now that uh, the British have, they may not physically be occupying um, the nation. Now that that presence has gone, we've also, we've, we've not been diligent um, we've not been shining our eye well enough to see the other... But then you're forever going to be looking for enemies. And I feel like even the whole idea of... I don't even think British was a common enemy in Nigeria to get... Briti- to get really? I, don't, I don't really think so because in the North... British, obviously, British, um, Britain has this whole divide and rule, divide and conquer kind of... Technique, philosophy. Philosophy and technique. So... They really divided and ruled. And with the northern part of Nigeria, obviously they really kind of concentrated power in that part of... I'm not saying that because, oh, they concentrated power, they did not, the north didn't want them out of Nigeria. But it, was, it wasn't... It was almost like a, everyone had their own... There were some groups that still had their own self-interest. Mm-hmm. And which is why it wasn't long after the British left... Six years, well, seven years later, we had a civil, we had a civil war. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe the British was a, a kind of enemy that everybody wanted out, but then I would really question if it was, everyone was really united against that, you know, nationalism at the time, was was everyone really rooting for nationalism? Because there are people even till today, they'll be like, actually... We, we were best, we were in our best form when we were colonised by the British. Yikes. The people who say that till today, are obviously a lot of, I personally think that's a lot of ignorance. Um, but then I can again see why they would say that given how things are going. But I think it's looking back through like rose-tinted glasses, like thinking, oh, things were better back then, but they really weren't. But I think it's a, perhaps that is a question to pose out to the to the people like what is a common foreign enemy that at the moment i think china is probably a lot of nigerians are really not and the thing is it doesn't have to be an enemy that you literally go to war with 
in that sense mm. but like an enemy that you're trying to push out of your territory either mm. economically mm. or politically or you know in whatever shape or form um but i know that there's a lot of conversation amongst nigerians in nigeria at the moment about the impact of china mm-hmm. and what the chinese are doing and all this stuff so maybe we did it we need an economic enemy I don't know. This conversation is really taking a direction. Because <laughs> <laughs> if we're saying you need to have a common enemy in order for you to build a national identity or for you to have that myth, then it's a question to think about. And I think you, you raised a really good point because I wouldn't have thought, you know, that was the case. But yeah, perhaps. But then the other thing I was thinking, say like football, for example, like recently, do you know how... How seriously the British people take their football... It's a um, religion in this country. Their football team. Yeah. When the whole... Was it World Cup? It was the Euros. It wasn't wasn't that far back. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) I can't. I don't follow... I didn't even watch a single episode. A single match. But... um, All I know was the aftermath of that last match that Mm -hmm. happened with Italy Mm -hmm. and the amount of chaos and just unruly behaviour. And it was quintessentially very British behaviour. Like, if anything else had happened, it would have been a bit of a surprise, really, to Mm -hmm. say, oh, wow. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah. so... And for people that don't know what what happened, so the Euro, I was going to say... It was final. No. The Euro finals, yeah. yeah. Wow, you know, it's it's hard to believe that it was the finals because it's been so long that England has been in a <laughs> in a final, right? <laughs> in a final. But yes, finals of yeah, Italy and England and unfortunately we lost. And we didn't take it very well. Yeah. Well, that's it anyway, that's another topic of who's we, but <laughs> <laughs> they didn't take it yeah. very well. <laughs> um but the yeah, the the black players, um, of the team were subject to a lot of racist abuse Mm. um, even though they got them to the final exactly and I guess even that whole thing of so when we say even we you're right because obviously there were there was a lot of racism with the black players in the against against the the black players in the team and even this all I mean this whole Shemima Begum Begum what's the Shemima Begum Shemima Begum girl you know what does it mean to be British you know mm. she's she's a British national national she was born in this country yeah okay she did what she did and she went off with ISIS and when it was in Turkey she went to or she went through yeah. Turkey and went somewhere and it's like she's now trying to come back home to where she was born mm. and they're saying they've taken her British citizenship away from her yeah and so it's like, what does it mean to be, you know, so it's for them, there's something about being British and being a, a British citizen that this girl has totally defied. And now they feel like, so it's like, you know, if you're Nigerian, is there something you can do that could make the Nigerian government like, say, never, say come, never back. come back type of thing, you know? Mm. Um, <clears throat> That's interesting. I'll say well. we're going to take our passport away and... You're never, you know, you were born bred, but then I guess the reason why they sort of took her citizenship was was, was because her parents are of what well, Bangladeshi, Bangladeshi origin. origin. So she, yeah, but anyway, that's that's a conversation that I got really passionate about, and I get passionate about it when I'm discussing it because I just feel like you're ever going to be creating tiers in citizenship where you have like, you know, mm-hmm. first class citizenship and second class citizenship. Well, yeah. if you're going to give me citizenship, then give it to me outrightly and that, let, me, let me enjoy its full benefits, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, so I digress, but I think there was a slight connection there. But yeah, so perhaps football could be one of the... Because Super Eagles, not every Nigerian sort of... A, the, the Nigerian football team. Yeah. We can well, unite. Well, those, those you know, sports, uh, war, <laughs> um, those are kind of the mechanisms or vehicles for, for like, uh, building that national myth. Yeah. So um, that's why I always find that the Olympics, like, so interesting mm. because it's, it's a very political, you know, on the surface, you're thinking, okay, we're just championing, like, 
you know, sportsmanship, discipline, dedication to one's sport. Um, but it's, it's actually a lot, you know, deeper than that. In, yeah. In that you're getting people to now rally behind a team or, you know, it's, it's a very, uh, I was going to say primal thing, you know, <laughs> like, this is our crew. This yeah. is our gang. Yeah. And we are going to dominate in this sport. We're going to challenge you. But I get it. That's, that's what I mean. It's a by... pride thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's a thing of pride. And I guess it's also a thing of national pride um, where how many medals you win or don't win or how you perform mm. really is it you feel like it's a reflection of your person of your nation of yeah. your you know of your abilities and you want to be the best you want to have the best players and this and in that and i think yeah even you know even for nigeria as well going into these kind of sports activities there's a you know during the olympics where you have all these different countries coming out with their flags yeah. and you know their outfits and one of your channel yeah, it's a moment of pride. So yeah, sports war, some sort of economic. Yeah, but again, and I'll, I'll go back to it. Even in the sports thing, it's around like our country is going to dominate. We, we want our country to dominate in this sport. We want to beat another team. We want you know there's competition. But then it's a very short-lived kind of identity, but isn't I, it? I disagree because if anything, like now, but we still we still the the myth making never stops mm. i don't i don't think it ever stops i think it's something that people have to actively like participate in and and you have myth makers um because you, you, we say it's short lived but like britain <laughs> you know is here today and that's from hundreds of years of myth making in america well there is one myth that has sort of been the foundation that's what i'm trying to say so like of course you're always going to have like evolving mm. you know myths and events and things that are going to consolidate and solidify yeah. the existing myth on ground but the, the issue is that at the moment nigeria does not even have the building blocks mm. of this myth so if we're gonna base it on all this kind of like in a sense very fleeting because if you don't win the olympics if you don't you know, you can build up your sports industry to the extent where you feel like, yes, we have this team and they're going to win. And when they win, that's what brings us together. But what if they don't win? Like we found it with the British, with the English um, um, sports. Mm. But that hasn't taken away their national identity because it's not, even though the sport is a very sort of strong identifier, it's not the foundation of their identity, do you see what I mean? Like it doesn't whether they win or not, they haven't they haven't won a they haven't been in the finals in a long time. They haven't been in the finals in a long time, but I suppose we can be going in circles on this. Yeah, we can be, but yeah, no, but um but I guess just I mean that's why somebody was saying that it's easier for a child to fly a spacecraft to the moon than for a Nigerian to define Right. Nice. <laughs> exactly, right? That's what Nigerian to define um Nigerian identity. I think but I think what we can take from all the discussions that we've been having is that yeah, Nigeria needs to yeah, decide or find what it what it um sometimes maybe sometimes you do need to you know, decide what you aren't to like find who you are so maybe it's you know it's a bit like you have this piece of marble and you are um you know you're you're hacking away at the stone and out of it comes a beautiful statue you're chipping away at the things that this this work of art is not and then eventually you see this beautiful image this beautiful piece of work maybe i think that's the process yeah which we're in in that maybe we we need to um you know chip away at certain things and and decide that this is not who we are yeah to eventually start creating and seeing the work of art that we want to be 
Yeah, definitely. I think it's a multifaceted approach. I think definitely eliminating what we're not, but then also defining for ourselves or projecting for ourselves what we want to be, mm. uh, where we want to go, um, and then knowing what our capabilities are, knowing what our strengths are, and how we can then build on that to forge the, the identity that we want to. I'm going to mention China one last time. So, for example, China has sort of built this identity on its industrial kind of um, force and um, potential. So, like, you know, once upon a time, China made... Once upon a time, when you buy anything that is China-made, it's almost like this derogatory, you know, low-quality, whatever. But now they've built... You almost can't do anything without China. You know, most products are made from China and it's a... you know, it's a well-known fact and, and established and they've established quite a strong identity in the economic area mm-hmm. where now they're forced, they're, you know, they're forced to reckon with on the international stage. So, so we need to either do something economically, either something in sports, something in politics, even our politics, we don't even have a political identity. Like you have all this different... Um, mm. national um, political parties in Nigeria and you have the leaders all deflecting from one party to the other it's almost like hearing tomorrow that um, what's his name Boris Johnson is now in Labour Party and whoever's in Labour is now in Conservative and somebody is now in Liberal Party in the Lib Dem and that's literally what's happening in the, within the Nigerian political party especially the APC and the PDP they're all deflecting all the time. And so you're just thinking, actually, even the political parties don't have an identity. No. So you're ruling the country as a political party and you don't even have a vision. You don't have a, you know, you don't have something you're working with so that if I'm joining your party, I know that actually I'm this I'm joining this party because this is what they believe in. This is their identity. This is what I am, I'm subscribing to. So on so many levels, I mean, I guess the positive thing is the scope is so wide for us to build the identity that we want to and i think it's just a case of narrowing in and then picking one thing and then really striving hard at doing that and not just making a cosmetic change but actually making a real change because i know that was it 10 years ago now when professor dora akunliyi she's passed now you know they would because she she did a a great work with um NAFDAQ, which is like this um institution that was built to sort of fight um it was built to uh, regulate the drugs and the food administration in Nigeria because at the time there was like lots of fake drugs and fake everything going around and her uh, institution really did a great work in in regulating stuff and then when she was um out of that position as the director general she was then appointed to this position in 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 um in politics where she was meant to build it was like a nation building exercise so there was this mm-hmm. like nigeria they were building like a identity for nigeria but it was all very cosmetic it was all very like oh changing logo and getting this getting this um having a what do you call it now a cap uh, a catchphrase or something's like well all of that is nice and good but does it actually mean anything and is it standing on a solid ground so yeah i think um i hope i've been able to convince and not confuse them I would say, I guess my 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 last Your point, final point, my final point in this discussion, is I think um, it may have it may have sounded as though I'm disagreeing at certain points, but I'm not. I think we're just emphasizing different, um, it would emphasizing different points in the effort it takes to build a nation and its identity. Um, I think the the comments you made about the quote unquote cosmetic aspects i think they are actually still important because you need that language you need that iconography people need to actually see something to get behind it's just that it ha- that has to happen simultaneously with the um political education mm-hmm. of of the people mm-hmm. so it, and alongside that political education obviously there needs to be um there needs to be some, you know, fundamental development for the nation, just even as simple as like, well, not simple, but building roads and mm-hmm. 
um, you know, creating infrastructure for education, etc. All those things happen at the same time. Um, but I, I, I think for me, it's really important not to downplay that because we have a flag, you know, for a reason. When no matter what happens, every Nigerian they'll see their green, white, green, and they'll say, "Hey, <laughs> my people," you know, and that that may seem cosmetic, but no Nigerian around the world is ever going to forget that flag and where it comes from and and where their heritage comes from. And that and that's a part that's part of the myth building. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the myth building. So um, I don't know where we, we can really conclude with this. Yeah, I conversation. guess. Yeah, I guess we don't. It doesn't really need a conclusion. I guess it's just for the listeners and people to really, because it's not a very easy conversation, and I don't think it's a very straightforward conversation either. Um, and yeah, it's open for discussion. It's something to reflect upon. It's something to go back to the drawing board and really see how this is going to happen. Um, yeah. Who knows? But I think what we've been able to establish is that the, you know, there's so much that can be done. It's just a case of pick your choice, really, and 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 run with it mm. and establish something with it. Um, but yeah, so proud Niger. Fists up, fists up. <laughs> <laughs> Niger to the core. Yeah, Niger for life. For life, hey. <laughs> anyway. So, all right, uh, guys. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Uh, we hope that you're you're enjoying it and and remembering the great things. <laughs> yeah, we hope that you're sharing and you're liking, and you are commenting and just reach out to us. We want to hear from you guys. We want to know what you think. We want to know how we can improve what you'd like us to talk about. Um, and yeah, just. Keep encouraging us. Yes. Optimism. <laughs> optimism. Not rugged Hardcore. optimism. <laughs> rugged. Yes. So thanks everyone. This is the Once Upon a Niger podcast. I'm Lara. I'm Evelyn. Until next time. Until next time. Bye. Cheers.